It's about to start. I know. What? Huh? What? I can't hear you. I have a banana in my ear. Ah. I gotta go. Well, welcome everyone to Abundant Life. My name is Jeff. I'm part of the team here and I'm so thrilled that I get to uh, share with you today. Uh, before we move on, I want to just welcome our campuses, our Vancouver and Sandy campuses, as well as those that are watching online. Uh, so great that you guys could be part of today as well. Uh, we are in the midst, as Dave said, the series called Flixmas, where we're taking a look at some classic Christmas movies. And, and taking a look at uh, some of the biblical answers to some real life issues that these movies bring up. And so uh, Pastor George kicked us off in week one uh, where we looked at the Charlie Brown Christmas and, and uh, looked at getting back to the heart and the simplicity of Christmas. And then in week two last week, we looked at the Christmas vacation and talked about just some messy family issues sometimes around Christmas. And today, we're gonna to be talking about the movie Home Alone. Uh, so just by show of hands, how many of you actually have seen Home Alone? Yes, lots of hands. All right, so Home Alone's been around for a little while. It's a great family uh, movie. Uh, believe it or not, this year they're celebrating 25 years. So uh, if you saw it, uh, you know, when it was in the theater, that was a long, long time ago. Um, and, uh, and this movie, it's a great movie. Uh, you know, if you have kids, remember being a kid, whatever, it was, it's kind of like every kid's like dream come true and nightmare, like all rolled together in one, in one movie. So if you haven't seen the movie, it's about an eight-year-old little boy named Kevin. Kevin is part of a really large, crazy family, and, uh, and he's not treated very well. Like the relationships in the family are a little bit, a little bit tense, and uh, the, the family is getting ready to, uh, together to travel to France for Christmas. And, uh, and the night before they uh, are, are to leave uh, for this big trip, Kevin gets in trouble and he gets sent to the third floor of their house, which is like the attic. So he has to spend the night uh, in the attic. And then he's upset when he goes to the attic. And so he has this wish and he wishes that his family would just disappear. And, uh, and so then the next morning, the family, they wake up late because their alarms uh, don't go off. And so they're scrambling to get out of the house, to load up the shuttles, to go to the airport. And they're like halfway to France, like over the ocean, when Kevin's mom realizes suddenly they forgot Kevin at home. And, uh, and Kevin is left home alone. Now, like I said, it's like, you know, every kid's sort of, you know, dream come true at some point. You know, every kid fantasizes, like, what if my parents weren't there to tell me what to do? You know, I can jump up on the bed, I can eat whatever I want, I can stay up as late as I want, I can watch whatever I want on TV. And, uh, and so when Kevin wakes up the next morning and he realizes uh, that his wish had come true, uh, this is his response. Take a look at this. I made my family disappear. Yeah! 
So pretty excited uh, initially, but you know, as the days roll on, uh, Kevin starts to miss his family and, uh, and loneliness starts to creep in and he starts to miss his annoying uh, brothers and sisters and uh, his mom and dad. But he does his best to keep the house you know, moving forward and so he does a little bit of grocery shopping and uh, he goes and he gets lots of uh, microwavable dinners uh, like macaroni and cheese. He does some laundry, he even gets a Christmas tree and decorates it, but he discovers that you know, having decorations up is, is not quite the same when your family is missing uh, and not there to enjoy it with you. And then a big part of the movie is, uh, is there are a couple of burglars that are working the neighborhood. Their name are the, the wet bandits uh, because they leave the water running all the time. And, uh, and so Kevin discovers that the wet bandits have targeted uh, their house. And so uh, they, they've realized that nobody's home or it's just a little eight-year-old boy that's home. And so uh, they could take advantage of this house. And Kevin then must defend his house alone. And there's a principle in there. I think, you know, maybe you have discovered that some Sometimes life's challenges uh, tend to hit most when, uh, when we're home alone, maybe all alone, dealing with it alone. Um, but the longer that time goes on, Kevin starts to really miss his family and to experience loneliness. And I wonder if, if anyone here has ever felt lonely. You know, as, as Christmas is approaching quickly, I bet most of us in this room can relate to that feeling because loneliness is a universal feeling. All of us experience it at one point or another. What loneliness is, is it's a heart-heavy emotion or feeling that we get when a need for a relational connection is not being met. And as we approach this Christmas season, you may be feeling a little bit like Kevin was, that the house is decorated for Christmas, but you're feeling home alone. You might be feeling that for a few reasons. Maybe you are single and you just wish that you had somebody to spend Christmas with. Or maybe you're married or you're dating, but you're going through a, a, a difficult divorce or a breakup. Or maybe you've lost someone, a parent or a child or a sibling. And if that's you, can I just say, I, I relate to that. I understand that. Uh, having lost my, my brother and my mom to suicide over the last six years, I just know every holiday that rolls around uh, and every Christmas that comes in, it's not the same because they're missing. But maybe you're a single mom and you're doing everything you can just to take care of your kids and provide for your family and you're taking care of everybody else but you don't have anybody to take care of you. Or maybe you're here today and you're a teenager and you have some friends that you thought were your friends but then something happened and then all of a sudden you're wondering, who are my friends really? Or maybe you're a Facebook scroller and you've been scrolling Facebook and you realize that a lot of your Facebook friends actually got together in person to have this epic, ugly Christmas sweater party and you did not get an invite. Or maybe you're a parent. And you know, parenting can be a lonely place sometimes, especially if you have kids that have challenges. I'm the parent of some great, great uh, adopted kids, but sometimes they face challenges. And, and we're uh, facing a challenge with my son just a little bit ago, and, and uh, I just remember driving home from a big meeting at the school, and, and uh, my wife looks at me and says, you know, we're not the only parents to walk through this. And I looked at her and said, I know, but sometimes it feels that way. And parenting can be a lonely place sometimes. Loneliness is something that we all face. It's a universal feeling. It doesn't matter if you're married or you're single, you're young, you're old, uh, you're a Christ follower, you're not a Christ follower. And so if you are here today and you're feeling lonely, 
can I just let you know that you are not alone? But what do we do with our loneliness? What is the answer to the loneliness that we feel? And so for that, we're going to look at, at the Bible together. One of the things I love so much about the Bible is that it gives us some practical help, some practical advice for the real-life issues that we face today. And so we're going to look at some familiar verses that are found in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. If you're not familiar with that book, King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, and it's believed that King Solomon was actually the wisest person to ever live. And he wrote a couple books in the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes is one of them. And we're going to look at this passage that as I read it, you're just, you're going to say to yourself like, oh yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Because it's like common sense. But it's common sense that's not all that common because sometimes our lives just get busy or hectic or kind of crazy, and we just don't put it into practice. But in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, King Solomon, writes right to the heart of the issue of loneliness. And he offers, he speaks very practically to the answer of loneliness, to the loneliness that we feel sometimes in our life. And so if you want to turn with me, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 and 12. And you can follow along on the screen or in your notes or in your Bible. Uh, But Solomon says this. He says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now here's what I want you to do. If you got a pen when you came in, I want you to pull that out. I want you to use that. And so whether it's in your notes or in your Bible, I want you to write a couple things um, on these verses. I want you to circle the words. Anytime you see the word in these verses, uh, two meaning the number two, other, or three. I want you to circle those. And then I want you to underline the words one or alone. Anytime you see one or alone. And as you look at wherever there was a circle, you see whenever there is another, there's more than one, you find that the words success, care, and defense are there with it. But whenever there is a one, you find there's trouble and defeat. And the principle is this, God never intended for you and I to walk this life alone. He intended for you, he never intended for you and I to be lonely. You see, we weren't created, we weren't designed for aloneness, we were designed for togetherness. And so here's the big truth that we're going to talk about today, that if you're feeling home alone, is this. The answer for our loneliness is community. Is community. Community is where you are fully known. Community is where you experience care and support and you get help to get through whatever it is that you're going through. Community says, I see you, I know you, and you are important to me. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at three observations from these words from Solomon about community and how community can be the answer to our loneliness. And so the first one is this. If you're experiencing loneliness, the first thing that you need to do is to be in community with others. To be in community with others. See, he says in Ecclesiastes 4.9 that two are better than one for they have a good return for their work. And this makes sense, right? We, We get this, that you can accomplish more if you have help. My house is a walking example of this. I'm a lot like George. When it comes to like fixing things or repairing things, I I am in no way a Mr. Fix-It. I'm like Mr. You panic and then you call somebody uh, to fix it. And, but I have, as you go around my house, there's a couple of really big projects that I was able to complete from installing a front door to a back deck to a front deck. And the reason is, is because I have help. And, and so whenever I go around those parts of my house, I always remember the person that helped me succeed at it, to help me complete it. 
and, and help me finish it. And so here's the deal. We are better together. We're better together. And we can do more together. And this has been true since the very beginning of creation. You see, God specifically wired you and I to need other people in our lives. When you un, uh, go back to Genesis and start in Genesis 1, when God started to create everything, it says he created the heavens and the earth, and then he creates everything in the earth. He creates the stars and the seas and the animals and the birds and the fish and everything in it. And, the, and at the end of every day that God created something, he says, it was good. And then on the last day, God creates man. He creates Adam. And Adam was brought into this world that was all good. Everything about it was good. In fact, there was no rain. After the week that we've had this week, that seems like a pretty good situation. Not only that, Adam enjoys this perfect relationship with God. There was no break in the relationship with God. So you would think, like, what could be wrong with this? This is all good, right? But then look at God's response in Genesis 2, verse 18. God said it was not good for man to be alone. And so Adam has everything he needs, including a perfect relationship with God, except one thing, relationship with another human being, community with another person. Now notice what Solomon is not saying in, in Ecclesiastes. He's not saying that two Facebook friends are better than one Facebook friend. Because community happens with real people in real life. But here's also what he's not saying. Solomon is not saying that being married is better than being single. You see, Paul talks about singleness later in the Bible in the New Testament. He says that singleness is actually a gift. And he says that it's actually better to be single than to be married because you can do more for God. But the other thing is you can be, it's possible to be married and still feel incredibly lonely. See, marriage is not the answer to our loneliness. Community is the answer to loneliness. And you need some somebodies in your life who can walk through this life with you. And the cool thing about the church is that's what the church was meant to be, to be a place that you can connect in community. It's one of the purposes of the church. But here's the deal about the church, that you cannot experience that kind of community sitting in rows in the midst of a crowd on a Sunday. That kind of community takes place in circles, in living rooms, in homes, in coffee shops, in smaller groups where somebody knows your name, somebody knows if you've been missing, somebody knows what's going on in your life, somebody is praying for you, and somebody is helping you succeed. And that's one of the reasons why we do uh, put so much emphasis on life groups here at Abundant Life. And if you haven't been part of one, life groups really are just that. They're, they're small groups of like-minded people that provide a safe place to be in community with others. And our vision here at Abundant Life is that no one would stand alone, but that everyone would be connected to an environment where you're cared for and where you can grow. And I want you to hear uh, a story from my friend Molly. Molly uh, came to Abundant Life from a lonely place and risked being into community with others. And I want you to hear her story. Take a look at this. My name is Molly. I was born and raised in a small church in Corbett. This church was founded by my great grandma and I always figured this would be the church I would raise my family in. Coming from a small church where you are related to the majority of the congregation, there really is no room to make any mistakes. I found myself in a relationship with a man I thought was my soulmate. I was going to church less and less and moving farther and farther away from Jesus. Then I found myself pregnant, and unfortunately I miscarried at eight weeks. The church decided that I was a bad example for the kids in our small community for not being married. So I left the church, as I felt like I did not belong anymore. 
I felt betrayed and angry, which led me to not only leaving the church but straying away from Jesus as well. I felt very lonely. In my time away from church, I had two beautiful children, got married and divorced, and battled severe depression. I found myself at rock bottom and needed to find a community to belong. I thought maybe I could try going back to my previous roots and church family. I struggled for almost five months trying to feel like I belonged and that I was worthy of being loved and included in this church community. It became harder and harder to go on Sunday mornings. I was not growing in my faith anymore and needed a change. Not just for me. I wanted my kids to have a love for Jesus and be raised in a church where they belonged. A dear friend of mine suggested Abundant Life. I remember like it was yesterday. It was January 6, 2013, the beginning of a new year and series that would change my life, the Thrive Series. Even though I sat in the back of the room, I was a deer in the headlights, jaw dropped to the floor and Pastor George looking straight at me, changing my heart forever. I slowly started to navigate a bigger church family. I eventually started bringing my kids and soon my mom joined me and all was perfect, but it got better. Summer life group season was upon us and my mom encouraged me to find a small group where I could meet other families. As I looked through the life group catalog, I landed on a family which was hosting a play in the park life group for the summer. Perfect, my kids can burn off energy and I can talk to adults. I was a bit shy at first, but season after season, I found myself talking more and more about my past, opening up about my depression and sharing parts of my life with them that I never thought I would talk about with anyone. These amazing families came alongside me, supported me, and encouraged me and my kids. They listened to my struggles, cried with me, laughed with me, and continually inspired me to keep on going, and I became a more confident mom. I started to find my place at ALC. I became a life group leader with the middle school kids, started serving at kiosks for family ministries, helped with baptisms, served at SS4K, and really just loved being a part of the ALC family. I may not know everyone who walks through those doors, but I find myself meeting new people every week and seeing familiar faces and connecting with new people. I found a place where I can be who I am, not looked down upon, feel confident, and continually grow with so many people by my side. My kids have a strong family too at ALC. Plus, they have six life group dads. Who would have thought they went from no dad to six who love them? I will never forget when my son Aiden talked about the day he gets baptized. He had to make sure his life group dads would be there for him, and sure enough, they will. I don't suffer from loneliness anymore, as I have chosen to be in a community with others at ALC. I have a purpose, I have a path, and although I still struggle, I have a family behind me who continually supports me all along the way. Isn't that a great story? <clears throat> If you're here and you're feeling lonely today, I want to encourage you to be in community with others. Maybe it's getting into a life group. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution for you as, as sign-ups will start after we get through Christmas, right in, the, in January and the New Year's, that you would get connected, be in community with others. But not only do we need to be in community with others, we also need to be community for others. For others. See, Solomon says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. So he says two people are better than one. Community is better than isolation because if someone falls or they both fall, they can help each other up or one can help the other up. And then he goes on, and this is really important. He says, but pity, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And here's what he's saying. He's saying when, when someone falls, and it may not be because something, of something they did, it might be because of something that someone else did, but when someone falls, 
when you fall in community, there are some people who can help you up. It's like a buffer for the fall. And it's better to fall in community with others than it is to fall alone. I mean, have you ever seen someone fall financially and not have anyone there to help them up? Have you ever seen a couple fall in a marriage and not have anyone there to help them up? Have you ever seen someone fall because of an illness, either to an illness to them or their family or or child, and not have anyone there except for immediate family to, to help them up? Or have you ever seen a parent fall because their child is rebelling or going through some major life challenges and not have anyone there to help them up? You see, when someone falls and falls alone, it's both devastating and lonely. And then Solomon goes on. He says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And so he shifts gears. He kind of shifts imagery from someone who falls to someone who's being overpowered. And the word here for overpowered could also be another word in our culture that we use today. It also starts with the word over. Anyone want to take a stab at it? Over. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. And so he's saying what we tend to do is we are less prepared to face the overwhelming or overpowering situations in life when we must face them alone. So Solomon is telling us that we will respond to the overwhelming times of life better when we are in community with others. But I want to kind of flip the perspective a little bit, and I want to ask you a question. As you think about your life and the people that you know, who do you know? Who do you, who do you know in your life right now who has fallen down and is all alone. Who do you know in your life right now who is overwhelmed with life and is on their own? Maybe it's a friend, it's a coworker, or a neighbor. You know who they are, you're thinking about them right now, and you're thinking to yourself, like, well, what can I do about that? Or surely they have somebody else who's there to help them out. But maybe, just maybe, God has strategically placed you in their life to be their picker-upper to help someone up who's fallen, to provide a defense for someone who's feeling overwhelmed. You see, if community is gonna be the answer to our loneliness, then part of God's call for us is not only to be in community with others, but to be community for others. That God is calling us to step into the lives of those and step into the situations of those who are walking through overwhelming times or those who have fallen. You see, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he wrote the book of Galatians as well. And in Galatians 6, verse 2, Paul says, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And in the book of Galatians, there are two different words that are used to, uh, to express this word burden. The first is the word fortion, and, and, and this burden is a light one. It's meant to be carried by an individual. When I think of that, I think of my kids going to school, and they each have their own backpack that they can carry on their own. And that's not the burden that Paul is talking about here. The burden that Paul is talking about in, in this passage is the word baros. Baros. This is a burden that is so heavy that it cannot be carried by yourself. It's meant to be shared, it's meant to be carried in community. And when I think of this burden, I think of this picture. It's a team lift. Yeah, if, you, uh, if you have been like to Target or something like that and you purchased something that was heavy, you might see this on the box, that it's, it requires more than one person to carry. And I love the phrase at the bottom, for your safety. And I think about that, for your friend's safety, for their safety, don't let your friends carry their burden alone that you would invest in them, make it a team lift. So who this Christmas can you carry a burden for? 
See, this doesn't have to be complicated. It might be as simple as walking across the street, picking up the phone, meeting somebody for coffee, stepping into a hospital room, maybe stepping across to a different cubicle uh, across the way, and then just engaging in a conversation. You might just simply ask, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? And don't accept fine as an answer. Or say, hey, how can I pray for you? I've noticed that you've been stressed lately. Can I pray for you? Can I just sit with you for a while? Or tell me your story. What's going on in your life? Can we just get together for coffee? See, there's this beautiful moment at the end of Home Alone where this takes place. Kevin has a neighbor named Old Man Marley. And Old, Old Man Marley lives right next door. And uh, the kids in the neighborhood, they're, they're scared of him. Uh, because, one, he looks kind of scary. But, but two, the rumor around the neighborhood with the kids is that um, Old Man Marley is like the town murderer. And, um, but that's not true at all. Really, Old Man Marley is just lonely. And on Christmas Eve, Kevin goes into this church because he hears singing. And, and he has this incredible encounter with old man Marley. And uh, I want you to see that. Take a look at this. granddaughter up there. It's a little red-haired girl. She's about your age. You know her? No. You live next to me, don't you? Yeah. You can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of things going around about me, but none of it's true. Okay? Been a good boy this year? I think so. You swear to it? No. Yeah, I had a feeling. Well, this is the place to be if you're feeling bad about yourself. It is? I think so. Are you feeling bad about yourself? No. I'm in kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that? I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Especially with an older brother. Deep down, you always love them. But you can forget that you love them. And you can hurt them and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. I came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight. You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son. How old is he? Well, he's grown up. We lost our tempers. And I said, I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. We haven't spoken to each other since. 
If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. The basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is you should call your son. What if he won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it. And he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was, I talked to my dad. Especially around the holidays. I don't know. Just give it a shot. For your granddaughter anyway. I'm sure she misses you. And the presents. I sent her a check. Wish my grandparents said that. They always send me clothes. Last year, I got a sweater with a big burr knitted on it. Oh, that's nice. Not for a guy in the second grade. You can get beat up for wearing something like that. Oh? Yeah. I have a friend who got nailed because there was a rumor he wore dinosaur pajamas. You better run along home where you belong. You think about what I said, all right? Okay. It's nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. I love that scene. Kevin and Marley, they're both lonely, and they risk being in community together just for a little bit to have this great conversation where they can pick each other up, they can carry each other's burdens, and, and Marley is encouraging Kevin with his family, and Kevin encourages Marley to, to be restored to his son, to talk to his son. And at the end of the movie, uh, you see Marley is, is actually restored to his son, and, um, and he gets to see his granddaughter for Christmas. You see, community is the answer to loneliness, and we need to be in community with others. We also need to be community for others. But if community is gonna be really the true answer to our loneliness, then we also need to walk in community with Jesus. Because true community starts with Jesus. Solomon finishes his passage, he says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And this is the idea that a rope is braided together, that's braided together with three strands, has more strength. And our relationships and the community that we experience with one another is stronger when Jesus is part of the equation. And so God made us and he designed us to be in community with one another, but that's only part of the story. That's only part of the answer to loneliness. It's not the complete picture. God also designed us to be in community with himself through the person of Jesus Christ. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is this incredible celebration of God reaching out to us by sending his son, Jesus. And as Pastor George shared in week one, Jesus did not enter this world through royalty. Jesus entered this world through humility. And the Bible says that Jesus laid aside all of the perks of heaven to humble himself and become part of humanity as he laid there crying in the stinky, dirty, little manger. And then you gotta ask yourself, why? Why would God do that? One word, love. Love. Because God loves you. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, but you could change that word world and put you in it or put me in it. It says, for God so loved you. 
that he gave his one and only son, that if you would just believe in him, you shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a beautiful story that the creator of the entire universe wants to have a relationship with you. And he doesn't want you to walk through this life in loneliness. He wants you to walk in community with him. See, long before the actual birth of Jesus took place, the prophet Isaiah foretold of the birth of Jesus. And he talks about it in Isaiah 7, verse 14, where he says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. And if you today are feeling home alone, you're feeling lonely, God wants to be with you. He wants you to walk in community with him. You don't have to walk the lonely road anymore. In fact, the Bible says that God wants you to be part of his family. And when you're part of God's family, the Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God and that he will never leave you nor forsake you. All you have to do is to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he died on the cross to take the punishment and the shame and the guilt of your sin. So he took it so you don't have to carry it alone anymore. And then you accept him as the savior and the Lord of your life. It's like handing over the car keys of your life and saying, Jesus, you drive from now on. In John 1, 12, it says, but to all who receive him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And you see, if you believe in Jesus, you accept him as the Lord or the leader of your life, that God welcomes you then into his family. And if you are feeling home alone, you're feeling lonely today, the answer to your loneliness starts with Emmanuel. It starts with God with us. It starts with Jesus. Solomon says, he also wrote the book of Proverbs, and he says in Proverbs 18, verse 24, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that friend is Jesus, and he won't leave you alone. The question that you have to answer is, will you accept him? Will you let him in? Will you let him in to your life? In just a little bit, we're gonna take communion together, and communion is a, a time for us just to reflect on who Jesus is. It's a time for us to remember Jesus, to remember who he is. And if you're here today and you're feeling lonely, maybe it's a time for you to just reflect on, on that idea of Emmanuel, that God is with us. Maybe it's time for you to recommit your life, to come back to him, to walk in community with him. Maybe you've been searching for other ways to fill the loneliness in your life with other people or other things or other ways and it's time for you just to return. And what I love about Jesus, it's like the prodigal son who comes home and the father welcomes him with open arms. Jesus wants to welcome you back with open arms as well. This time of communion is also a time for us to reflect and remember what Jesus endured on our behalf on the cross. That he made a way for us to be restored to our relationship with God. And the juice represents the blood that was shed on the cross and the, and the bread represents his body that was broken for us so that we could have this close relationship with God. But maybe you're here today and you have never experienced community with Jesus before. And you've just been walking this loneliness, looking for different ways to fill the loneliness in your life and you just realize it has left me empty. And there's a reason for that. Because all of us were designed, our hearts were designed in such a way that there's like a unique hole in all of our hearts and it's a hole that only Jesus can fill. 
And until we fill it with Jesus, we will always continue to feel lonely. And so maybe it's time for you to say, to invite him in, to let him in, because he is the one who will stick closer than her brother. He is the one who your heart has been searching for all along. All you need to do, it says, is to invite him into your life, is to believe and accept him as the Lord and Savior of your life. And so at all of our campuses, now if, if that is a step that you need to take, before we take communion, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And so as you're at your seat in the quietness of your own heart, um, I'm just gonna ask you to pray to yourself. You don't have to pray out loud. But if you want to invite Jesus in, that you have been walking the lonely road, that you're feeling home alone, that Jesus, you could come in here empty and you can walk knowing that you have a friend who will stick closer than a brother, that he will not leave you and forsake you, and he proved it by going to the cross for you, that you can invite Jesus into your life right now. And if you would like to invite Jesus in for the first time in your life, I'm gonna invite you just to pray this prayer with me silently where you're at in your seat. Just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I've been trying to navigate this life alone. And I realize I can't do it alone anymore. I need you in my life. Forgive me of my past. Guide me in my future. And today I'm gonna trust you as the Lord and the Savior of my life. And help me to walk in community with you. God, I wanna thank you just for the reminder today that we are not alone. God, even in this Christmas season, uh, we just think of the word Emmanuel, that God is with us. God, I pray for those who are experiencing loneliness, whether it's from loss or a challenge in life. God, that you would just help us to remember that we are not alone. God, that you walk with us, that you are close to us. And God, I pray that you would help us to be in community with each other. And as a church, God, that you would help us to be community for those who are around us, who are alone, who have been defeated, who are overwhelmed. God, that we would make a difference in this world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.